Welcome, listeners, to According to Joe. It's second broadcast of According to Joe here, mid-April, coming up on tax time. I want to welcome in Joe Martin. Hey, Joe, how are things going this week? Pretty good, Jim. Not a bad night. Wind, a little windy today. It's springtime, and that's those. Yeah, the wind is a definite factor, but we're inside now. We're ready to bring you some good topics here this week. Joe promised them. So we have Emma along for news. Emma, did you survive this weekend? I did. I had a really lovely weekend. I did not do much, but I am starting to go into the apartment search, and I am not as excited about that. (laughs) First topic this week, a little bit of a carryover from last week. We have Katanji Brown-Jackson. She was confirmed. She replaced the upcoming vacancy expected by Stephen Breyer, who announced his retirement. Former law clerk of Breyer, currently a judge of the U.S. Court of Appeals, the District of Columbia Circuit, having been appointed by President Biden in 2021. Her nomination was sent to the Senate. February 28th, we saw the Senate Judiciary Committee hearings from March 21st to March 24th. And now Jackson is the first black woman in U.S. history to be nominated to serve on the U.S. Supreme Court. The Senate confirmed her on April 7th by a 53 to 47 vote. It's really a cool day, I would say, Joe. I can't say I'm surprised by the. I think the votes were there before the, you know, before her gate ballot. So I don't agree with uh, a lot of her policies or whatnot, but I think she was qualified, you know, Brown and her judgeship already. I would always say it's good to look at look at your constituency in our country. Some of these panels should look a little bit more like them. Joe, you mentioned well in advance the votes would have been decided. It was a 53 to 47 vote. What are your opinions there? Not surprised by the that jumped uh, across the aisle to confirm her. I mean, as far as a part vote, I think that's just how we've been six years now on every topic. So, yeah, not shocked. Not not shocked. So we should just expect that it's uh, 50-50 votes. That's the way it is. And it's going to be the way of the future for the near term, at least. Yeah, sad, but true. I think, uh, but I do think so, yeah. You know, I see it. I don't see anybody changing it anytime soon. What's the thought in uh, 20-something Chicago about that, Emma? I think it's exciting. She was edited in. I didn't see anything that felt as though she wasn't deserving of it. So, fine by me. Seems like something everybody could applaud. Applaud uh, how you're affiliated or what your expectations are. This is current president. He gets to go ahead and nominate somebody. If they have a good record for it, she seems to have uh, the kind of record that would be a good fit for it. And, and she is now our ninth justice. Let the let the cases head there, and we'll see how things go. I might be singing a different tune at some point, but certainly I, I, I like the feeling of it all, no doubt about that. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how she rules, but, you know, that's that's her job now, so we'll just go from here. Joe, if we move on then, forgiveness of student loan debt, call it a oh, pause God. slash forgiveness. President Biden has not only delayed student loan payments for another few months, But he's also given some borrowers a bit of forgiveness. The U.S. Department of Education described the additional pause as a good way for borrowers to plan for payments to begin again, which can help reduce the risk of delinquency and defaults after restart. So it's a a little bit of a longer, fresh start than maybe it was expected. How long is all this stuff going to last? I don't know why one would think that they shouldn't have to pay any kind of loans back that they, you know, during you. Sign the paper. I will pay my money back. It's no one else's responsibility, especially the taxpayer, to pay off your student loan. You made that decision. You have to be an adult going to take responsibility. I had two, two students go through school. I understand all the costs. I think if there was a, a lot of effort made to try and reduce those costs, that'd be great. 
but to just go ahead and, and toss the loans would be a, certainly an odd choice. I mean, I don't think the universities are uh, completely not at fault here. expensive. It's your choice to, but, you know, along with that comes your debt and the responsibility of it. Responsibility, and that's the person that takes out the loan. I don't think taxpayers expected to, you know, flip the bill. You made the commitment. You said, hey, I'm going to sign it out. It's my responsibility. Just unacceptable in my book. I don't, I don't think there's any room for that in our country. I mean, it's bad enough. Uh, we're coming out of the COVID, you know, that caused the pause. Now the unemployment rate is 3%, something right, right in that neighborhood. They, I heard the White House touting that. So if the unemployment rate is that, you can pay your loan back. Yeah, it is a strange situation. We still have uh, certainly all these jobs available, no doubt about that, but, uh, but a lot of concern, a lot of policy focus on trying to be very protectful of people as though businesses are still shut down or a little more patient I, I would necessarily be, and I can, I can handle that. Yeah, I mean, I would be curious as someone who just graduated, now has student loans. My curiosity is education, the cost of education is so unbelievably high compared to, and I don't know if this is necessarily the case, I don't make like a crazy salary coming out of college with my cost of living. Obviously, I live in Chicago. I guess I would be, obviously, the cost of college has been raised so much. I'd be curious if the raise of salaries have raised that much and if it's like similar rate to what it used to be. Oh, totally. I totally agree with you. The college is outrageous. There's, there is no question about it. I could not agree more with that. The answer, the answer to question, Emma, is, is no. They have not both had the same level of inflation. In my adult lifetime, things that have had the highest rate of inflation are medical costs, education costs, are, are, are two of the three, two of the three highest. Yeah. And, and certainly, jobs coming out of school are not that big a difference. Um, if you the, some of the ranges that you spoke about, you and your you know classmates got starting wages and, and are not as a percentage basis, not that much higher than they were in 1992 when I was coming out of the University of Illinois. But the, the rent costs and the cost to buy a home certainly have gone up a lot more. Yeah. And it's, so it's, it's difficult because it's, I just know from my personal situation of like my cost of living is so high. See like potentially having some sort of a level of forgiveness that helps to balance it out. Not necessarily as though you're getting all of your loans forgiven, but it would be interesting to see if they would compare the rates of the two to try to balance it in a more equal way. But, you know, I, you know, I chose the field I chose and I don't know, other entry level salaries could be more than that. And it could be easier to manage that as well. Specifically what experience you've had in your friend group, you know, you came out with, uh, with you know, not a tremendous amount. You have no. some, but there are some that, you know, had the burden of the, whatever wasn't covered, they had to borrow all of it. And that is yeah. a, a ma probably a major monthly cost that they have, are dealing with constantly. So I don't know if you get any feedback. Yeah, I do. I know a girl who she had to take out her entire undergraduate in loans and it was around $70,000. And so now her monthly, I know her monthly student loan payment is 400. It's a decent chunk of change every month with your, cost, with, you know, your rent and everything else. Uh, you know, and again, you do what you do. I totally agree with that as well. Like you sign up to pay it and all those kinds of things. It can be tough. I was in a very lucky situation. Obviously, I didn't have that as much as that. Not nearly. The, I will say that also four hundred a month, seventy thousand dollars. It's gonna take. That's gonna take a long it's time. It's gonna take a long time. To, yeah. To, to pay back. That's a long. <laughs> that is a long. I don't that's know, a pay. commitment. 
I know people who go to graduate school and have a lot more, but obviously you go to graduate school to get more schooling and then you have higher salaries. That seems like it evens out a little bit more, but yeah, it's crazy when you put your whole undergraduate and that's like, a, that's a state school that she lived in the same state as, and that was like the whole cost of it. It is no joke. So this, you know, I went to the same school you did, Emma. I know that it was about uh, one fifth the cost. You did not get a salary of five times what I got uh, coming out of school. So I'm impressed to see that you're not, uh, you know, spending all your monthly income. That's good. I'm impressed with it. And uh, <laughs> see, you even stayed in this weekend. So good job. Thank you. <laughs> Nothing. I just said good job, Emma. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> We're getting there. What about actual student loan forgiveness? Before Biden announced the fourth freeze on student loans, 96 lawmakers, 21 senators, and 75 members of the House called on him to cancel student debt now, saying it would provide long-term benefits to individuals in the economy, helping families buy their first homes, open a small business, or invest in their retirement. More broadly, canceling student loan debt adds tens of billions of dollars in GDP growth. Everything's free, Jim, and socialism. No one, <laughs> nobody pays for anything. Moving on to that, next topic is on haven't really thought of what the heck is Title 42. It is a controversial policy that allows Customs and Border Protection to turn migrants away without allowing them to file for asylum. It's slated right now to end May 23rd, but on Thursday, a bipartisan group of senators introduced a bill that would block the lifting of Title 42, throwing the Biden administration's plans into question. Senators from both parties have expressed concern about ending the policy before the, before the Department of Homeland Security, which oversees Customs and Border Protection, is ready to deal with the expected surge of migrants that will follow. It is a perfect example of different administrations coming back to back with a very different focus on a certain topic, like uh, immigration, Joe. What are your Title 42 thoughts? I think uh, Title 42 is a wonderful thing. We aren't prepared for the surge that they are predicting if when Title 42 lifts on the 23rd of May. They're talking about 18,000 people per day coming across, and we can't handle the ones that we have already that we're trying to trying to take care of. There's got to be a better way. I mean, you, I mean, we are a country of laws. You have to do things legally. That 18,000 a day, that's not counting all the getaways that's, that come across illegally. I think you need, really need to look at the Democratic senators in Arizona that are telling President Biden, hey, we, you can't lift this until we have a plan to deal with it. I mean, the border states are the ones that are going to are going to get the onslaught. If you live in, you know, in the Northeast, you know, no, of course not. You, it, it's not going to bother you at all. But in Texas and in Arizona and California, you're going to get all that coming in. 18,000 a day, you've got to be able to house those people. You've got to be able to feed those people. And the way we have struggled now, we, we can't do it. We, we, it's just impossible for us to do. I think you said it well, Joe, in saying that, that it's a lot, lot different issue in Arizona and Texas and, and these border states where so much of the taxpayer funds, they just put so much of a focus, so many resources into not only dealing with migrants that come in right away, but then down the road with other resources needed, whether it be whether it be you know, police. I, I, I laughed when I saw that some of the Texas focus was saying, we'll just start busting them to Washington, D.C. and drop them off there. Yeah. How long do you think that would last, Jim? I mean, come <laughs> on, really. It wouldn't last too long. They say, oh, no, we, we got to stop it. Well, of course, when it's in your own backyard, you want to stop it. But when you're 3,000 miles away, you have a different view of it. Obviously, we are a melting pot society. And we, we, definitely, Absolutely. Uh, we, we definitely, all of our parents came from, from a country mm -hmm. 
um, that was not. But that they came great. through Ellis Island. They did it, you know, they did it the right way, like they should have. Asylum has been bastardized a little bit. That, that's my impression. If you're coming from Ukraine right now, you probably have a need for asylum. But in a lot of other situations, I think it's a little bit more of a, a hokey way to get in. No, you're exactly right. It's It's been bastardized. And I think, I, I don't know exactly what the parameters are, but I think they're very wide. And I think, it, you know, the asylum covers political unrest or, you know, families running, you know, from their lives, from cartels, whatever. And I, get, I understand it. I do understand it. And I do feel for them. However, I'm asking, I think a lot of people are just asking, just do it the right way. Use the proper channels. If you, I've talked to several people that have, that have immigrated to this country and you know they went through the they went through the process the right way they and they took the exam and you know the whole, the whole works even they are irritated about just you know opening the door and say come on in people that, that I work with that a spouse or, or someone in their family they had to, they had to go ahead and camp out at the say at a certain spot near the border and, and as you said Joe wait for their appointment and go through all that process sure. it is a it takes a tremendous amount of effort but they've jumped through those hoops and accomplished it they need to uh, they need to look at that and they say hey you know they look back and say why did I do it why why did I go through all this trouble I mean I think society as a whole needs to just say hey we need to come together and agree that we are a country of immigrants however we're also a country of laws and you have to do it the right way well I can't have a, an immigration topic without joking about the fences that we have the big walls I've done a little watching on some of the social medias, it's amazing, no matter how big a wall you build, I'm amazed at how flexible people are <laughs> rigging up little ways to hop over. It seems to take about $40 in aluminum. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> and they're, they're hopping right over the wall with no problem. It, it is a tough thing to do to control a border. It is one of the major challenges of our country, I, I'm sure. And uh, when you say those numbers, 18000 a day, imagine what the parks and public facilities would be like in your area if 18,000 people a day were flooded. Well, that's what I'm saying. Exactly. That's the thing. You, if you're, if it's your backyard, it's a different story. No doubt about it. It's easy to talk about it from up here in Illinois, but uh, boy, oh boy, right. what, an, what an issue for that part of the country. I feel for them. Here's a topic that I've paid a lot of attention to over the, the last year, year and a half, and it initially started with Elizabeth Holmes' trial was got a chance to watch a number of shows on it read a book about it listen to some podcasts right now and text shared with the jurors under the in the trial of ramish sunny balwani the former coo of elizabeth holmes's failed tech startup theranos his text proudly stated uh, with the status within the company saying i am responsible for everything at theranos balwani wrote the messages between balwani and holmes who were dating at the time were presented Wednesday inside a San Jose courtroom, according to the NBC Bay Area. The text proclamation served as a contradiction to arguments from Balwani's legal team, who argued that he was merely an investor in Theranos during the opening arguments of his fraud trial this last month. He had The main event was the Elizabeth Holmes portion of the trial. They did split the two cases. She went first. She was found guilty on a number of the charges, not all. Sonny Balwani right now going through his trial. Joe, it's an interesting case, a case that, boy, we wish um, a company like this could be developed to have finger-prick type blood testing. As much as I feel like some of these investors do or should have known what they were getting into, but I think it's it's an interesting topic. It It is, and it blows me away. And, I mean, I, 
I'm going to give her credit for being an excellent con artist. I mean, she did. She conned the major investors. I mean, she got people from Microsoft to come join her board. I mean, big name people that should that know the industry, know things, and she still she still sold them a product that didn't work, and they and they bought into it. I mean, it's it's amazing. I mean, I know she's facing what up to twenty years or something. I don't think that's near enough. I think she she was a real piece of work. I'll I'll that's what I'll say. I agree with your premise there. I'm a little bit more focused on the fact these are qualified investors. This was never went to an IPO. These were not just you and me putting down our money to purchase stock. This was qualified investors. They have to feel stupid, some of these investors, no doubt about it. Some families put over $100 million of their yeah. of their funds, nearly a you know a billion dollars in investments that went down the tubes. But I have to admit, it is up to them to do the due diligence. I think one of the telling moments of this is when I heard that no real true biotech company put any money into the, into her company. No one right. that really that really knew that exact industry. All of them would have done way more due diligence. Uh, what's the the DeVos family that had a hundred million dollars into this? That mm-hmm. at one point their lawyer was advising them: if we ask too many questions, they're not going to take our money. Talk about <laughs> how someone like that is in charge of a hundred million dollars. I say let them beware. <laughs> you know, someone eventually is going to separate them from their money if they if that's the kind of intelligence that they have. That is a recipe for disaster. Yeah, absolutely right. <laughs> I think I think I'm it can, I'm a little confused because I, I, I think John Hopkins that I think they actually came out and said isn't working. It's only getting a small percentage of the actual blood samples, not near what you're claiming. <laughs> right. Well, actually, it's funny is that she used Johns Hopkins logo in some of the some of the materials when she was asking for funds with Walgreens and with. Um, uh, the other supermarket chain to go ahead and, and get into them. Safeway, she, yeah. She, Safeway, she used that even though they were very small, positive comment at Johns Hopkins about her product and then didn't really comment on the remainder of it. She was a, you use the term con artist. I think it is a yeah. it's a funny mix of whether someone is is just a good salesperson. Um, I think a, she was a brilliant salesperson. A, a master manipulator or yeah. like you say, the term con artist probably fits as well. I think it's a really interesting story because of that. If it, I would recommend anybody listen to John Kerry-Roos. I, I read his book regarding it. He's a Wall Street Journal reporter that went into it. Well, there's a whole HBO. It's got a documentary on it. Uh, it's right now on the Hulu. There's dramatization of the process as well. And it's kind of eaten up all that material, and it's been very interesting to me. I, I'm not all for uh, throwing, throwing these guys in jail and, and tossing the key. I'm a little bit more, I think there's a nice shared responsibility on a couple of different sides here. It is shared responsibility, no question. And she was definitely delusional. She was 19 years old, Stanford freshman, and just drops out, starts her own company. And people say, wow, I'm going to throw $100 million at her. I mean, come on. you got. I agree with you. They, had, they should have done their part. They should have done a little more research on her. However, I think she was a brilliant salesperson. She's going to get what she deserves now. But what was her total worth at one point was it five billion six billion the wealthiest female self-made entrepreneur in the united states at that time on a product that didn't work i think she Um, did something right i guess (laughs) it's amazing it really is it is yeah a little bit of a theme i'll mention uh, a program that's that's got some similarities uh, later in in our installment of what to watch good wrap up there emma anything there i just was gonna say that's my my what to watch foreshadow is 
that series on I just finished it yesterday and I didn't know anything about it before I started watching that and it is absolutely crazy like it is like everything you guys said I mean that is insane I cannot fathom how that happened I can't that's what I'm saying I can't either it blows my mind yeah it, it really does took a lot of additional things it took a them running a company that on purpose siloed people and did not allow people with their business to communicate with each other if you didn't yeah. work on a certain team they made sure that you did not share any information uh, they actually monitored people's email making sure they did not share it that way normally what would not work and how this would come out earlier there would be discussions from past employees and they really pushed and threatened and had such a tight focus non-compete clauses non-disclosure agreements maybe this is one of the best suggestions for some if you're running a startup company elizabeth holmes i'm trying to think of his name david boyce is a famous attorney in the united states she hired him and instead of paying him for his original duties she gave him stock and if you want to get a high-powered attorney willing and able to scare the out of people when they're going to disclose things about the company or whatever you give him stock and make him a shareholder yeah. in the company <laughs> sure. and have him go after people strongly i mean that is a real part of this story that you have a major heavyweight attorney who you would hear in in, in the wall street journal uh, stories he would mention that somebody would be very willing to, to to get the truth out there to tell it and they would go to an attorney and the attorney would say to him just sign the nda don't let this off we don't want this fight with these guys yeah. And uh, it just shows you it, it, it is not a level playing field when you have talented, high-profile attorney that's got such an axe to grind in a situation like that. That basically, even if you win, it's going to cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars to win it just for some place you used to work. It's just not going to work out. A lot of things to, for it to happen that way to last as long as it did. Joe, you mentioned that she started as a 19-year-old. By the end of it, she was in her 30s and, and still running this company that never went Absolutely. public. So, you know, it was able to definitely take it a long way down the road. Get into she really did. Thing. But we'll, we'll move on from that. Uh, probably time for some, some news. Um, we'll be back on with some Joe's Soapbox and with our What to Watch. But, Emma, what's going on these uh, last week or so with the news? First one I got here is the headline, Mechanic Reaps Windfall from Art in Connecticut Dumpster. In Connecticut, a trove of paintings and other artwork were found in an abandoned barn has turned out to be worth millions. An auto mechanic, Jared Whipple, retrieved the dirt-covered pieces in 2017 from a dumpster containing materials from a barn in Watertown. He later found out that they were Francis Hines, an abstract impressionist who died in 2016 at 96, and had kept his work stored in the barn. He, Hines was renewed for his wrapping pieces and much fabric is wrapped around an object. You found this and now it's worth a million sub dollars. Why can't anything like that happen to me? I know. <laughs> uh, when I hear these kinds of things, oh, I just, yeah, these people that, that picking types of things and people Pickers, that, are, yeah. that are worth just kudos to them when they find a, a treasure like this. And not only was it a, a famous artist, but it was right after they had died, it sounds like, this uh, right. Francis Hines. So I uh, waited for the right time and uh, kudos to them. Timing is everything. Second one, fox bites man, putting Capitol Hill on high alert. Capitol Hill has a fox problem, and it's not a lead-in joke. <laughs> Representative Barra learned firsthand Monday evening while walking to the Capitol for votes. He's now undergoing a series of four rabies shots out of abundance of caution. He said he felt something lunge at him from behind as he walked near one of the Senate office buildings. He turned and used his umbrella to fend off what he thought would be a small dog, but soon realized it was he was tangaling with a fox. Oh my gosh. 
interesting well, story. I didn't, I've Capitol, never heard of Joe. it. A lot of danger in, in Washington, D.C., but I have to admit, I've lived in rural areas my whole life, and I, other than on the side of the road, I have not seen foxes. I've not seen them in yards or that type of thing. I guess my 50-plus years have I seen that. So to think that it's in the concrete jungle in D.C. is kind of amazing. It is. Normally, uh, all the dangers on the inside of the Capitol building, not the outside. <laughs> yeah, I like Lots of Fox News jokes on the Capitol Sure. from that one. Uh, there's been multiple recent Fox encounters, and they believe that there are several Fox dens on the Capitol grounds. That's an interesting little tidbit. I, I never would have guessed that. No. Fox jokes for the next week, everybody. Yep. <laughs> Boston Marathon Bomber again tries to avoid execution. The Boston Marathon Bomber is again trying to avoid execution, asking the first U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals to consider four constitutional claims not taken up when his death sentence appeal went into the Supreme Court last month. Yeah, I think this is an interesting one, the fact of, of how long ago that was. It does show you what our process is. I will say his name. I, I'll try to pronounce it. I think I have it. I was going to say, I, gave, I didn't even want to Joe go Carr, into it. <laughs> Zarnayev, I remember the Zarnayev brothers uh, during that process. Joe Carr uh, seemed like one of those cases that, boy, oh, boy, it is just a no-brainer that if you could throw the book at somebody, these are the kind of things to do so. That was in 2013. Yeah, yeah 2013, wow. Case still going Most... on, and it has to run its course. We'd want... Any of us would want that if we were accused of something, just a, a brutal murder. And I hope it does run its course. Yeah, sorry, no sympathy from for the Zanarview brothers or whatever their name is. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Michigan police are investigating theft of a Sasquatch lawn ornament. Police are investigating the theft of a seven-foot-tall metal Sasquatch lawn ornament from a home in southern Michigan. The item was crafted from sheet metal and was stolen from a home on on or after March 22nd. Seven yeah. feet tall. That is not easy to steal, I imagine. And no, it's not easy to steal, I'm sure. This is some preparation and organization for this thievery right here. Seven feet tall. They had to take it and remove it from a steel post with either some type of instrument, bolt cutters, I don't know what. They really must have wanted that. Sasquatch is a, is a real thing, Jim. It's a, it's a big deal. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hear a lot of those stories. Well, Southern Michigan. Try and I know we try and do either a Michigan or a Florida story every week. Yeah, Michigan. And then the next one is Florida. Florida groups canvas spring breakers to warn of fentanyl. In the days after a group of West Point cadets on spring break were sickened by fentanyl-laced cocaine at a South Florida house party, community activists sprang into action. They blitzed speeches, warned spring breakers of a surge in recreational drugs cut with dangerous synthetic opioid and offered an antidote for overdoses, which have risen nationally during the COVID-19 pandemic. I guess the moral of this story is make sure your cocaine's good. <laughs> what? Do, 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 do a minute here on why does the fentanyl get in there? I mean, I don't, I don't know a ton about I, I'm not saying when I say experience. I know. I have I have a bunch of I have you're, seen a bunch you're of in things your 20s about it. Is what I'm asking. Yes. Yeah, a lot of the drugs that come from different areas or are sourced from, they try to like they're putting the fentanyl in it to make like have their cocaine batches last longer. I thought maybe they're trying fentanyl is is very addictive. So are they, are they trying to addict people to the to the drugs or no? It's not that. It, it could be that. I don't know. I had I don't know where I'd read that the most of the product. Like I guess make more money, less um, actual of the drug. Yeah, that's how but, I see it too. Yeah, but I, you could be right as well. I know fentanyl is very very addictive as well. Okay, so and but maybe fentanyl is cheaper or something, so you cut it 
with fentanyl. Yeah, my that's what so. my impression was. Well, if you can't trust your local drug dealer, who can you trust? <laughs> it's I, a big issue. I mean, it's especially even in Chicago, I've heard of people who I've been to college with who I didn't know super well, but have died from this exact situa- situation of cocaine laced fentanyl. Yeah, and, I agree. And the fentanyl hits their system and just uh, they, they have a, an, an overdose death. Right, yeah. They can't handle that monodosage. Now, I think the part I did miss here was the group of West Point cadets. Just shows you probably people that are making otherwise very good judgments in their lives. They make mm-hmm. uh, they make a judgment of uh, something or doing something, and boy, oh boy, sure. it can be very dangerous. Absolutely right. Yeah, so the recent news that five West Point cadets, at least one a football player, Overdose in fentanyl laced cocaine while on spring break in Fort Lauderdale. It's one of the biggest scandals that roiled the Orange County based U.S. Military Academy. I kind of like if Florida is reacting to it, trying to get at least get the, word, get the word out there. And then there's specifically this drug, Narcan. Yes, yeah, so if you overdose, you want Narcan. It brings you like it brings you out of the overdose if you're not too far into it. I think a lot of um, police departments issue it actually keep it in their squad cars. I was just watching this series on, I think it was YouTube. Apparently, a lot of addicts go to Florida to try to get rehabilitated. And so Florida has like a crazy amount of people who are addicts because they either the rehabilitation doesn't work and they get stuck in, ho- in Florida and then they end up just becoming homeless. And so there's a lot of activists within Florida who were either once addicts or just passionate about it who go around to the street, like on, on the streets and just hand out Narcan or like try to get them into rehabilitation programs or sober houses. Very interesting stuff. Next up, EU officials probe salmonella cases linked to chocolate eggs. European health officials say they're investigating a rapidly evolving outbreak of salmonella in 134 children that appears to be linked to chocolate Easter eggs that normally contain a surprise toy inside. In a statement on Wednesday, the European Center of for Disease Protection, Prevention, and Control said chocolate products were identified as the likely route of, of infection, adding that children mainly under 10 years of age were affected. The first case was detected in Britain in January. Oh, well, Joe, it's finally hit us. Even Easter is dangerous now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think in the States, Jim. I think we're safe in the States. I think that's a European thing to put the actual toy inside the chocolate egg. I don't think the FDA allows that here. <laughs> okay, I see. I didn't realize that, but salmonella and chocolate eggs. Oh, yeah, that's too bad. Yeah, that's poor kids. Yeah. Obviously, COVID has dominated our lives. I think I heard the other day there's avian flu in the zoos around here. They're keeping the the, the penguins away from the people, and now you got chocolate eggs worried about salmonella. So we're going to hell. Uh, there's there's dangers everywhere, everybody. Just protect <laughs> no yourself. Doubt. Don't boy, oh boy. I shouldn't laugh, but it's I funny. know it's a bad time. It's a bad time of year to run into poison chocolate eggs. Well, you did, Joe. That is, I just looked it up, and it says that the U.S. bans Kinder eggs with yeah. the surprise inside because of the toy or the sale of any candy that has embedded in it a toy or trinket does not pass FDA standards. U.S. is safe then. Yeah, Joe knows his. Uh, I know my <laughs> chocolate egg exporting business, Jim. <laughs> That's crazy. They says that they are still illegal in the U.S., but they remain popular on the black market. Black market chocolate. Last up here, Zelensky t- says that the next few days of war are crucial. Ukraine's president warned his notion Sunday night that the coming week would be as crucial as any in the war. Russian troops will move to an even larger operations in the east of our state. He accused Russia of trying to evade responsibility for war crimes, saying when people 
lack the courage to admit their mistakes, apologize, adapt to reality, and learn, they turn into monsters. And when the world ignores it, the monsters decide that is it is the world that has to adopt them. Ukraine will stop all of it. Yeah, sad times over there. That's a real bad situation. Very tough. It is. I think mentioned, let's see, I think it was February 24th was when the first time the invasion started. It's going to be hard for Russia to just run back and quit this without really getting pushed back. So I, I think I think it's going to be around for a while longer. Sad but true. I don't think uh, I don't think it's going to go go away anytime soon. I don't think Putin's the kind of guy that can just say, "Hey, all right, you beat me." I've been watching like either TikToks or just videos that have come out. They were showing office buildings in Kaviv that like look like the office I work in every single day. Like, sure. yeah, just like very modern, very and like obviously that Kaviv is is Kaviv a similar size to Chicago, right? Yeah, that's a big. But I, it was, and then they yeah, were showing yeah. three million, three million people. So then they were showing the after effects, like the office had gotten bombed. And so it's like, imagine an office building in Chicago, then literally torn to the ground, torn to pieces, like nothing left. Oh, it's sad. Absolutely, absolutely crazy. It puts it into perspective. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Sour note to end on with the news, but that was it all is. I, I, I Kind I, of a downer. I don't know. I should have thrown in a master's news or the you know, <laughs> fact that uh, fact everybody, Kansas won the uh, won the tournament, everybody. A nice co- second half comeback win. But Emma, good work with the news as usual, keeping us Nicely updated. done. Those are good ones. Now it's time for Joe's Soapbox. It's something we look forward to. Joe's Soapbox. I think, Joe, you had an experience uh, out on the roads this week. And tell us about it. It's pretty simple. It's, it's, it really is. It's a really simple concept. If you want to drive 65 or 60, I don't care. But don't do it in the, in the passing lane. People want to pass. People have things to, to do. They, if, they might want to drive a little faster than you. Just move over. Don't keep your cruise control set at 70 miles an hour and try to pass three trucks that are going, you know, 70 and a half or, or 69 and a half, you know, and go for miles and miles and have 30 cars behind you. You're the reason people get in accidents. Just get the hell out of the way, you know, hit, use your accelerator, come around the trucks and then go back to your 70 miles an hour. I, I probably didn't have anything that pressing, but I don't, I don't like to wait. You know, I want to get moving, move yes. over. You heard it here first driving lesson from Joe. He says, <laughs> it is a good question, Joe. Everybody I'm sure deals with that at times. Yeah. And uh, the person in that, in that car thinks I'm going over the speed limit, Sonny. I, uh, I know. I have the right to be over in this lane, but that is, a, I think, a good rule of thumb. Press a little bit harder on the gas. That's it. That's all I'm asking. Get ahead over on that side and then get back over. You it can go, you, if you, like I said, go the minimum. Just stay in the right lane when you do it. Fair enough. There's Joe's Soapbox, everybody. Not quite road rage, but uh, I assume, <laughs> Joe, you were, you were talking inside the car there. I was on the verge. Okay. New segment this week. Going to follow up, going to finish off tonight with what to watch. Why don't we flip it around and say, Emma, why don't you get us started on what to watch tonight? Yeah, so like I mentioned earlier, I just finished The Dropout, on, or on, that's on Hulu, and it's with about Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos. It was very good before I didn't know a ton of the story, and obviously now I'm starting to listen to the podcasts and read more into it just because more of acted out version of it, I suppose, but it was yeah, very, very good. It, it made a cipher. Dra- dramatization. Dramatization, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, Amanda Seyfried, I, I seemingly did a nice job of uh, adapting to try and... I'm amazed sometimes of how these actors, you know, try to really be like that that person. And from what I've seen of Elizabeth Holmes, she did a very nice job. I thought so, too. 
and again, I hadn't seen anything of Elizabeth Holmes before. So then when I saw videos after, I was like, I, since I'm used to the Amanda, Amanda Seyfried version, like that's the first one I've known. I like think of her <laughs> as Elizabeth Holmes. Sure, sure. And then when I look at the actual Elizabeth Holmes, I'm like, I'm floored by how similar, especially the voices, really accurate. That's my what to watch for this week. I really like it. All right, it. so Emma's is? The Dropout on Hulu. Okay. Okay, on the Hulu. All right, That's Joe. on my list. All right. Uh, I'm going to go, I just recently watched a little documentary called Return to Space. It's kind of a little story uh, about Elon Musk letting us know, hey, we really need to go and inhabit these other planets and our Earth is going to run out, you know, basically. And he's saying, let's get out into space and colonize. Pretty good. I mean, pretty good. I enjoyed it. I, I know he seems like a brilliant guy, you know, richest man in the world. You got to be doing something right. All right. Is that your only one this week, Joe? I would go, do an old throwback. If you're looking for little witchcraft and monsters and sword fighting, I would uh, definitely recommend the series The Witcher. Excellent. A lot of action. If you like that kind of stuff, that should definitely be on your uh, on your list. All right. How do you find The Witcher, Joe? Witcher would be a Netflix. Three seasons. Taking us home here, and I have three different shows. I have recently gotten into uh, Apple TV Plus, T-Mobile uh, cell phone service. Gave me a free six months of it, and I've tried it out, and I have really enjoyed Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso, the... Uh, I love Ted Lasso. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Perfect fit for me, boy. It is uh, about Premier League soccer, but it's very little about soccer and very funny about uh, this um, United States coach that it over there and what a, what a, what a neat, neat ride it's been. Uh, two seasons in and ready for more, basically. Uh, really impressed with uh, Ted Lasso and... Uh, caused me to order an AFC Richmond shirt. So um, it should be on the way. I would, I would recommend it for anybody. Uh, two seasons of Ted Lasso. You don't have to be a, a sports fan. Still very funny. Glad to hear Amazon board as well. The other one on Apple TV Plus that I've... It's not quite it, uh, completed. It's still coming out on a weekly basis. But it's called We Crashed. Uh, we Crashed is about WeWork. I've been watching that as well. Wow. So uh, WeWork, you know, at one point the... Largest renter of office space in New York City. Emma, I think you've gotten some familiarity with WeWork facility in Chicago. And, yeah, I work uh, in a WeWork right now. So your company uh, rents out space for them. A, a real neat con. Had a very eccentric founder. That this is the dramatization with uh, Jared Leto, and um, yeah, Anne Hathaway. Know, it's been very good, very interesting to see again. Very eccentric owner founder. A very very charming person. Still operating without him. We crash. Definitely recommend that. And then uh, lastly, I realized this is a little bit more inside baseball. Uh, better call Saul. So I realized <laughs> that maybe it's best for those people that have had some attachment to the Breaking Bad series. Netflix has season five out right now. Uh, it had already aired on AMC. Uh, we're eight days away from the dropping of the first episode on AMC of season six, the final seasons. For anybody that doesn't know, Better Call Saul is a prequel. To Breaking Bad. We're now six seasons, so the two uh, shows will eventually meet up. Just looking forward to that. Really, really uh, a well done show. This is the first show that I've not only watched the episodes, but followed along on a podcast with the producers and writers of the show. We watched it in a while, and it's really, really been an impressive ride to be able to to hear their ideas and, and the execution of why they do things in the episodes and show that's become one of my favorites. I would recommend that to anybody. First, all the first five seasons, all available on Netflix. Have you watched that one at all, Joe? I have not. Um, it's, it is on my list. I'm going to get to it. I'll throw one more out there, though, for everybody. Probably one of the greatest series of all time. 
Game of Thrones is an absolute must. Is that right? It is. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's the best one I've ever watched. Everyone watched. says that it's such a commitment to. to it to is get a into commitment. It. Yeah, HBO. That's HBO Max, I believe. Is, yeah. Has it all on there? It's 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 sensational. And the commitment is because of the timing. You're saying. Yeah, it's yeah, long. It's, but it's like each episode is an hour, maybe a little bit more, and then it's eight or nine seasons. Yeah, that's correct. And I, I uh, believe they're coming out soon with a prequel to game of thrones another uh, series so that'll be good as well all right not for quitters it's for uh, those that are pretty tough it sounds like it's a great time to be alive if fictional content documentary content a lot of options for you it's, if you think competition drives excellence i think the way that we that the fracture of the network has provided good content to the watcher my my opinion I think you're spot on, Jim. Appreciate uh, everybody's time this week. Uh, we will get to, to head to wrap things up. Good work, everybody, this week. And uh, Nice job. Nice job, team. Good work, Joseph, putting together our topics, building up a little ire on the road rage and bringing us some good content. <laughs> Thank you there, Joe. <laughs> yeah. Good job with the news and the contributions again. Everybody, this is Jim Perona saying good night. <laughs>